Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Somebody will reach out to you and we'll get you some details. All right? Okay, cool. Awesome. So let's jump into the second week of this. So what is AHA? AHA is really kind of like an acronym. It means uh, a sudden awakening. That's the A. Brutal honesty. That's the H. And immediate action. That's the final A. Those things, when they come together, create an AHA kind of moment in your life. And when your life collides with God's grace and there is undeniable change, you can say that you've had this aha kind of moment. And our world is full of aha stories. When God's grace enters the pictures of our lives, things cannot stay the same, and we have that aha moment. But aha moments don't always start off as great stories, right? And that's what we talked about a little bit last week. We said the beginning of the story always looks great, but we, see, we saw uh, we're, we're following the parable of the prodigal son, and the beginning of the story was he was in the father's house, but his immediate actions, those things that he did, took him away from the father's house. And so... Uh, He didn't want to live there anymore, and he didn't want to be under his roof. And sometimes that happens for us. Sometimes that happens subtly or or over time. And sometimes it's an abrupt or immediate clean break. But regardless of what it's like when we leave the Father's house, that's how all aha stories begin. And so here's the thing about leaving the Father's house. It's not usually a sad thing, right? When we leave, just let's be honest, leaving sounds like so much fun, right? We look and we go, okay, so when I leave, I get to be the king. I get to be the one in charge. It's all up to me. And so last week we looked at, at, that, at that part of the story with the prodigal son leaving. And we read the first two verses of the parable. Um, we saw that the younger of the two sons demanded all of his inheritance from his dad. Now his dad was still living. So what that meant was that, hey, dad, the son was saying to his dad, I wish that you were dead. Give me my inheritance. Give it all to me now. I'm tired of your ways. I'm tired of, of, of obeying you. I'm tired of doing everything the way you want to do. I want to leave, and I want to take everything that you're going to give me when you die along with me. And so this was, this was a bold statement that we made. And we're not even really sure what made the son want to leave the father's house. We just know that he did leave the father's house. So we're going to pick back up in that parable today, and uh, we're going to be in Luke 15. If you, uh, if you need a Bible today, we would love to gift you with one of those. We have those available. If you just put your hand in the air, a service host will get one of those for you and put that in your hand so you can take it home. But the verses will also, and they're already up there, be up on the screen. Okay, so the verse starts. Jesus continues, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. And so that's the part of the story that we're going to focus on today. So the kid asks for his inheritance, leaves his father's house, and goes off to a distant country. And I think, I think that almost every single aha story has the place called a distant country, right? Some place that is essentially far away. Now, in this story, it, it's a literal place, but figuratively for us, the, the distant country is, is uh, not just a random place. It's a place that is distant from the father's house. Okay? So the son has gone to this distant, co- uh, distant country, and all aha stories end up here. It starts off with a simple request. 
to do things your own way for a while, and you end up in the distant country. It starts off with wanting to do things your way, and you end up in the distant country. It starts off with just wanting to blow off a little steam, and you end up in the distant country. But the thing about the distant country is that it seems really, really fun. You don't have to answer to anyone. You get to make all the decisions. You don't have to feel guilty. You're the one on the throne. And so you get to the distant country. You look around and you love it. This is an awesome place. I am ruler here. And so I want to tell you a few things about the distant country. And really, to, to illustrate what the distant country is like, anybody ever seen the movie Pinocchio before? Okay. All right. I was just, just assuming almost everybody had. But it's, it's an old Disney cartoon. And in the movie Pinocchio, there's a place that he goes. And he goes with Lampwick. He gets, I think that's the guy's name. Is that the character's name? Anybody know for sure? That Lampwick. All right. And so he wound, winds up in a place called Pleasure Island where he gets to do what he wants. He gets to wreck anything he wants to. He gets to ride rides. He gets to smoke. He gets to drink. He gets to shoot pool. All on his own time schedule. But the thing about Pleasure Island that correlates with our distant country is that there's a couple things, and, I, and I'm going to tell you about it, because it, it was just, it was all really, it just, it just left him completely broke in the end. Because that's what the distant country will do to you, is leave you broke. Luke 15, 13 says, the son squandered his wealth in wild living. And we, we don't really get any details about how he spent the money, but you can probably imagine, right? We, this, if this kid was like 18 years old, you can imagine how he went out and spent his money. Now, even if we just assume that he was a responsible 18-year-old, you can, you can think, all right, the money probably didn't last very long, you know? But we don't get the picture that he was a responsible 18-year-old, do we? And so how he went out and spent his money, we're not really sure. But, but we know that he's not a kid who lived on the straight and narrow. And when you look at the Greek word, because, you know, the Bible is translated, right? It's written in Hebrew in the Old Testament. It's in Greek in the New Testament. And so when you look at what the word uh, wild living is, and what, it, what it really is defined as is, is the manner of life by which someone destroys himself. Or wild and undisciplined life. So his life is essentially out of control. His, he's financially out of control. He's personally out of control. He's relationally out of control. And so it started off as just going out and living on his own, chasing his own dreams, but it ended up being more than he could handle. And it cost him more than he ever imagined. And I imagine for us that it's just like this. The unfortunate truth is that many of us have found ourselves in the distant country, haven't we? Amen. We may not have meant to end up there, but we got there. We may not have intended to stay, but we stayed. We may not have intended to take up permanent residence, but that's exactly what happens to us. And before we know it, it would be a fair description of us if someone said that we squandered all we had in wild living, right? And so, sure, it may not have been wealth that you lost, but it might have been a reputation. It might have been your family that you lost while you were there. It might not have been wealth that was lost, but it might have been trust. It might have been your job or your character or your integrity. And the distant country that seemed so fun, so free, so exciting at first is now a desolate wasteland. And that's not all. The verse continues. Look, in, in uh, verse 14 through 16, it says, After he had spent everything, so it's all gone, he has spent it all in wild living and undisciplined living. This out-of-control lifestyle, it's all gone. There was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he's broke. 
So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. So essentially, once he spent all of his money, wasted everything, burned every bridge, he's got no other employment opportunities, he's got no relational opportunities, his money is gone, and he's looking for employment, and the worst happens. A famine. A famine happens that makes his condition and his life even worse. There's no rain, there's no food, there's no money to be found anywhere, and the sun is completely broke. And the distant country seems like a good place to be, but it will leave you empty. And I think this is truest about us, isn't it? It's like once we've reached our worst possible condition, thinking about your life, if you've had an aha moment, or maybe you're here in this moment now, where we have squandered our reputations, our money, burned every employment bridge, ruined our relationships, and destroyed our bodies all by our own hands, that something worse comes along and happens to us that's completely out of our control, isn't it? It's like you're living that way and then all of a sudden your car breaks down. Like, or you get a call that your mom is sick. Or you get a call that, 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 that your employer is downsizing. They really hate to lose you, but... And life just takes a turn. It's something that's completely out of your control. And what happens, we completely hit rock bottom in that distant country. We're alone and we're broke. And that's what happened to the son in the distant country. He lost it all, and then that famine hits. And so in this parable, I love, I love looking at the psychology of what Jesus is doing, right? Because I, you know, I say this all the time. You can't read your Bible. You have to read your Bible, okay? So you need to understand the context in which this story is being told. Who, who do you figure Jesus is talking to? His main ministry was to the Jewish people, right? And there's something you need to understand about the Jewish people. Jewish people don't eat bacon, they don't like pigs. They're considered to be an unclean animal. They didn't raise them. They didn't sell them. They didn't have anything to do with pigs. And Jesus is telling this story about how far this son has fallen. It's just a story, but he's talking to a Jewish audience. And where does the son wind up? Feeding pigs. I love that Jesus knew his audience and is connecting with them in that way. And he's longing to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, which would have just been absolutely disgusting to the Jews. But for some of us, it, it, it may just start out as just another innocent decision or change that seems like no big deal. It's my life, right? You know, they're, they're my choices. I get to make them. But when we live apart from the Father, it starts to hurt. We burn some bridges with people, and we become so much of an island that nobody is around to help us. Nobody. Once your new fling is over and you realize that you're all alone, once you climb the corporate ladder but realize that uh, you have no family, you have no friends, you don't know your children, you have nothing outside of that office. Once you've stored up all the money you thought you could ever want but all you want is more. Or once you've evicted because you've spent everything that you've had. Before you know it, your life has begun to hurt you more than you imagine and the distant country will always leave you broke. And it doesn't matter what made you leave the father's house in the first place. The alternative is the alternative is eventually the distant country. We will always wind up there when we leave God's house. And the distant country will take everything you have and leave you with nothing. The next thing you need to realize about the distant country is, is that it will leave you completely alone. The son's decision didn't just affect him. It affected his father. It affected his brother. 
And in the story, even though his mom isn't mentioned, we can imagine that mom is pretty brokenhearted over his decision to leave, over his separation from the family. And it's not like he took off to go get married and to start a venture. He looked at the dad and said, I wish you were dead. Give me my money. And he left. And the nature in which he left tore his relationships. And so our decision to leave and go to a distant country doesn't just affect us. When a man justifies an affair because, well, she's not being what I need right now. Or when a woman justifies an affair because he just doesn't seem to care anymore. Or when you stay late at work because you want that raise, but your family goes to bed every night without seeing you. When you become selfish with your money. These all affect people in ways that we may or may not see. But over time, it starts to hurt. And before you know it, your life has begun to hurt others more than you ever imagined. You ever seen this show called Intervention before? <laughs> Intervention is a, is a show that, that uh, it, it showcases people that, that are, are um, addicted to alcohol, maybe addicted to drugs, or, or have an eating disorder. Or there's even another show called Hoarders that deals with, that's very similar. It deals with people who just can't throw anything away. And they've got, they've got, some, some, they, they've got some mental illnesses. And, and, and the difficulty of them and not seeking help for those things is what is breaking the family down. Those choices that they make is what's destroying the families. And so on these shows, they, stage, they, they show what life is like with these people, and they show how the family is broken. It spotlights them. And then there's a moment where they have what they call this intervention, where everybody comes in, and, and the, the, the person who is causing the turmoil in the family, they all address them, Right? In some of those situations, you see one sister said to a brother, all I wanted was to be around my big brother. Things are different now. I've gone from always wanting to be in your presence to being fearful of being alone in a room with you. One son said to his father, Dad, if if I had one wish, I would wish that you would get better. Please get better for our family. Another mother said to her daughter, I hope you will always remember the good times we had, but everything changed since you got sick. You are very disrespectful and very rude to us. We will not take this anymore. We want our daughter back. The difficult truth is that life in a distant country doesn't just affect us. It affects everyone around us. And often choosing to live there very long leaves us alone. But just when it seems like you're at the end of your rope, God has something to say. Because here's the thing. God is really good at writing aha stories. He really is. It's just about the time that you think that your story is over that God steps into your life and says, I'm going to make this into something beautiful. I'm going to tell the story a little different. In in the Bible, we see situations are told bad, 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 and then then there's two words, but God. And when God steps in, the story changes. And when God steps into your life, you can have an aha moment. Look at Saul. Saul, later to be called the Apostle Paul, was living in a distant country, right? He's persecuting the Jews, and God shows up and tells him to go home. When the nation of Judah was living in the distant country in 2 Chronicles 34, the book of the law was found, and God reminded them that he wanted them to come home. And there was a great revival in the nation. See, God is really good at a rough beginning and telling a beautiful story, because in that moment in the distant country, what seems like your story is over... That's when God sees a beginning. That's when he saw it for Saul, when he appeared to him on the, on the road to Damascus, and he blinded him and said, what are you doing, Saul? He got his attention. There's a moment. Same thing for Josiah. 
When the law was read, Josiah mourned and repented, and the entire country turned back to the Lord. God got their attention by pointing out their story and saying, this is not how the story is going to end. If you let me take it from here, this is only the beginning. And so my prayer is for all of us that we let God wake us up from our sleep in the distant country. That we let God show us the story he wants to tell with his beginning that he's given us. Amen? And every story has a beginning, but no other story ends like God's does. And I don't know how God might try to get your attention. I know that in, in, in 1 Kings 19, Elijah, God was trying to get Elijah's attention. And, and God sent a, an earthquake, and he heard it. But he didn't hear God's voice in the earthquake. He looked for it there, but he didn't find it there. Then there was a great wind that blew, and Elijah looked for, the wind, for God's voice in the, in the wind. There was nothing there. And then there was a, a, a big fire. And God's voice was not found in that any, either. So he heard nothing in the earth, wind, and fire, except a faint recording playing of Boogie Wonderland. I cannot, I cannot prove that biblically. I cannot. But with those three elements present, I cannot see how Shining Star or Boogie Wonderland was not played. <laughs> All right, rope it in. <laughs> Now, I'm not really sure how God was going to get your attention, but it wasn't in those big things for Elijah. It was in a still, small voice that God spoke to Elijah and got his attention. Or it might be like in Ephesians 5, where Paul writes, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. God may be yelling at you to try to get your attention, to wake you up, even if you're not really listening. And so I don't know, but if we want to live the aha story that God wants to write, it's going to take leaving the distant country and coming back home. That's what it's going to take. And that's where aha comes in. It's going to take waking up. It's going to take seeing where you are and seeing who we've hurt, seeing what you've lost, and that we have to allow God to be king of our lives and letting him take it from there. That's what we have to do. If we want to experience aha. Now I'm going to tell you this. We're going to pray. You say, Aaron, service is over already? Yeah. yeah we're, we're doing a shorter format today. Because of the picnic and our teams that are going. But I want to pray for you. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Look, if you've been living in a distant country, away from the Father's house, maybe doing your own thing, and you say, maybe, you know, I've spent it all, I spent all I have in wild, undisciplined living. I'm financially or relationally, personally, or all three, out of control. And I'm broke and need help. If that's you, if you if you've found yourself or identified yourself in any of that, nobody's looking around. I'm not here to embarrass you. I just want to know that I can pray for you. And these aha moments come with waking up and saying, that's me. I'm here in that situation. And if that's you, would you raise your hand and let me know that you're here so I can pray for you? That's awesome. Thank you. And for those of you who say, well, I've been living in the distant country and I'm alone. You know, whether you just feel alone or are actually alone, there's no difference, is there? Your choices have taken you to this place and you don't want to be alone anymore. You want to repent. You want to leave that distant country. And if that's you, would you raise your hand and let me know that you're here? Thank you. 
There's uh, those of you today that say, you know, Aaron, I don't even know the Father. I was not even aware that I left his house. I didn't know about his love. But today I want to I make a decision to go home. I want to make a decision to be in his house, to let him be king. And if you've never said yes to Jesus before, or maybe you've said it before and, and you walked away, you went to a distant country, if you want to come back, if that's you and you're here today, would you let me know? Thank you. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for a call to come home. Lord, that when we walk away, because it's not if we will walk away, it's when we will walk away. Sometimes we don't walk away completely. Sometimes we, it's just an attitude. Sometimes it's just, it's just a, a thought Sometimes it's, an, it's, it's a way we behave. But some part of us walks away from your house, whether completely or little by little. We thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercies that are new every morning, Lord, that we can come to you and repent and say, forgive us. Help us get, get on the path to coming back home. And so, Lord, for those that were honest and raised their hands today, God, I I ask that you would grant them the strength, the grace that they need, Lord, to make the journey home. And not to make that journey home with any shame. Because, Lord, in 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 a story of our prodigal son, that as the son headed home, you were standing on the porch waiting for them, looking for them, and ran out to meet them. And, Lord, I pray that everyone here realizes that as they turn to you today, that you are running towards them full speed with open arms and love in your heart for them. No matter what they've done, no matter where they've been, no matter how many relationships they've burned, no matter how much they've squandered in their life, whether in their wealth, whether it's been, been their, their relationships, their bodies, no matter what it may be, you accept them and love them as they are. So Lord, I pray with that in our hearts, we may leave today with joy joy for our journey to return home. And upon returning, Lord, may our hearts ever be for you. Show us how to to let you be king. Lead us. Guide us. We thank you, God. Thank you that we can even pray this prayer. Holy Spirit, do your work in our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.